I found myself in a conversation earlier this week with a group of people who were discussing spiritual practice, and in particular, the spiritual practice of stillness. Uh, And it, it led us into conversations about prayer and other ways of stilling ourselves so that we could what? So that we could hear something, so that we could learn something, so we could receive some sort of insight, perhaps. But in general, what we discovered was that almost every one of our spiritual practices are driven towards one end, and that is our remembering who we are and whose we are, remembering and hearing anew that we are beloved, and in the process of that, gaining clarity about some aspect of our life, what we need to do, what we need to say, an issue we need to address, uh, a calling perhaps, but, but some kind of clarity comes out of knowing who and whose we are. And all of our spiritual practices, in one way or another, lead us toward that clarity and that reminder of who we are. Worship being the preeminent one. Think about what we do here. But the practice of generosity or the practice of of truth-telling or the practice of serving others, these are all, at some level, spiritual practices that remind us who we are and lead us toward a place of clarity. What we see in John's gospel is Jesus uh, almost with his clarity sort of accentuated. It's not quite a caricature, it's heightened. By the time John is writing, uh, Jesus' significance is becoming greater and greater and greater, and his gospel reflects that in some ways, in ways that for me don't actually make Jesus very sympathetic. He seems so all-knowing and so uh, all-seeing. But the, the gospel begins with the prologue, with the significance of Jesus being pushed back to the beginning of creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And this divine self-communication appears on the scene, uh, heralded by John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, and, and, and announced as beloved. And the moment he's beloved, there's almost a mysterious process of callings and disciples. It's all happening very quickly if you read it straight through. And then he goes to the wedding at Cana, Lord of nature, turns water into wine, talks about the first fruits of the kingdom, implies all sorts of things about who he is. And 60 verses in, roughly, we're into this passage today, the defining conflict of Jesus' life. In some ways, this passage for John sets up the rest of the gospel, Matthew and Luke, don't have Jesus cleansing the temple until he goes to Jerusalem at the end of his life. But by the time of John's gospel, the significance of this cleansing of the temple is put right at the beginning. Right at the beginning, the conflict with the religious authorities of the day is going to define the story in so many ways. And what we see is a Jesus who knows who he is as beloved, who's gathering friends around him, and who has extraordinary clarity about his purpose. He's in the temple. It's not a quiet, serene place. It's a slaughterhouse, smelly, bloodletting, death, covered to some degree by quantity of incense in the outer courts, trading, marketplace, money sellers, animals for sacrifice, and so on. And in the middle of all this, Jesus is just prepared to be different. And he's prepared to stand and say, this is not how it should be. 
This is not what the temple is about. What you look for in the temple, the assurance of God's presence, forgiveness perhaps, a place to be grateful, a place to mark transitions, but above all, the assurance of God's presence in the midst of the people, it's obscured. If you want to see that from now on, you will find it in relation with me. And after his resurrection, his disciples remembered that he said in three days, I will build the temple up, and he was speaking of the temple of his body. From now on, it's not going to be about this mess. It's going to be about right relationship with me. And those who are looking on, the religious authorities, just like many of us, don't quite get it. What do you mean three days? We've been at this 46 years. This makes the Washington Cathedral look quick. You know, this is... This is an eternal project, three days. He's either, a, he's lost the plot, but he's being disruptive. And that becomes, in a sense, the drumbeat of the story of the gospel. Jesus is clear, and his clarity and his difference makes many around him who don't quite get it and who have something to lose or feel as if they do, makes them nervous. And that nervousness leads them to sabotage him, leads him to challenge him, leads them to try and trick him in questions, leads leads them into all kinds of things. And again and again and again, he stays clear about who he is and what he's about. Well, what happens as he sabotages it eventually leads him to Gethsemane, where again he has to ask about his own clarity of purpose? Is there some other way, O God, or does my integrity, the way I've lived, which is inevitably going to lead to my death, is there some other way? And then he says, no, not my will, but thine. I I hear him gaining that clarity and resolve to go and do something very, very hard. It's hard being different. It's hard knowing who you are and what you have to be about very often when it seems as though no one around you gets it. Because what happens is we all do the sorts of things that the religious authorities did with the Romans. They ganged up to manage their anxieties by killing their prisoner. It's not different than what happens when two parents, out of love, allegedly get anxious about their relationship, focus completely on a child... And that child starts to bear the symptoms of that anxiety eventually. And that child starts to act out or fail school or do drugs or run away or whatever it is. Because they're, they're carrying the anxiety of the system. It's not that different than when we're in a conversation, just normal conversation, slightly running out of things to say, slightly wondering tick-tock, I wonder if the bell will go for grace or whatever it is. And, you know, what can we do? I know what we can do. Let's talk about someone else. And let's triangulate someone else. Let's gossip a little bit. Helps us manage our anxiety. But it's actually just another form of this ultimately violent act. It's when we need clarity. It's when we need to return to our practices. Our practices of prayer and almsgiving and fasting and reading the scriptures and self-examination and repentance and all the other things, simplicity perhaps, service perhaps, stillness perhaps, 
all of those practices worship preeminently that draw us back to remember who we are and to grant us clarity about how to be responding when we start getting bent out of shape, when we start feeling anxious, when we start feeling the bile rising and looking for some alternative way. Jesus not only shows us that way, but actually opens the possibility of that way when he goes to his death, a man of complete integrity, a man of complete clarity, a man absolutely assured of God's love and placing his whole trust in God's love for life, even in the face of certain pain and death. For him, that is self-offering, going to his death, knowing that the worst thing in life is not that death. The worst thing in life would be breaking faith with everything he has been and said and done and been created for. And he goes to his death not with a promise of the outcome, just with the trust that God is faithful, even unto death. And out of that fidelity, we know the story, we know there is new life, and we know the possibility therefore exists for us, that faced with the difficult thing, faced with being different, faced with choosing a different response than all of our training and instincts might lead us to in so many situations, able to choose something different, a better way, a way of greater integrity, perhaps a way of greater clarity, all because we, have, we know that death is not the last word. When you find yourself getting bent out of shape, return to the practice. When you find yourself troubled in your conscience, return to the practice. When you aren't sure what to do, say your prayers, go to church, read the scriptures, take the dog for a walk, whatever it is that gives you a place of stillness. And in the practice, you will be reminded that you are absolutely beloved, as beloved as was Jesus. And you will find clarity for your soul and courage to stand different, to act free, and to claim the promises of the gospel. Let us respond to that gospel in silence and in prayer.